glad that you love him. Before even the foundation of the land, you were worthy. You are worthy now. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And good morning, church. For those of you that might not know who I am, my name is Pastor Jim Olson, and uh, it's a great honor and privilege to be here with you today to bring the word. It's been a year since I've uh, had the privilege of bringing the word of the Lord to you uh, after... For those of you that don't know, I was the pastor here for 26 years, from 1990 to 2016, when God uh, transitioned me into a whole new arena of leadership, uh, taking over as the president of the Pilgrim Center for Reconciliation. 25 years ago, in 1994, uh, while here in America, we were uh, mesmerized, for those of you old enough to remember, uh, we were memorized that summer by the O.J. Simpson trial. During that time, while that was sort of sucking all the air out of the news cycle, um, a million people were dying in 100 days in the country of Rwanda. Our uh, country director, well, our, our founder, Dr. Arthur and Molly Rauner, were called to uh, come to Rwanda immediately after the genocide uh, ended in July of 1994. And in fact, today, uh, for those of you not going to the welcome lunch, you are welcome to join us uh, at 1 o'clock today. We're celebrating Arthur's 90th birthday uh, with a celebration over at Colonial Church of Edina, uh, this incredible uh, man of God uh, who has done so much uh, to bring reconciliation into the world. So he went there and um, eventually, early on, met our country director in Rwanda, Bishop Paul Indihigwa. Now, Bishop Paul, hallelujah. Um, so many of you know the history. Some of you may not know the history. Uh, we won't go into all of the history today. Um, Paul and Gilbert shared their story last July here. Uh, it was incredible. Um, but Bishop Paul, uh, as a Tutsi, had fled the country when the genocide of Tutsis was happening by the Hutus. Um, he was a preacher back then, a pastor, and uh, God told him right after the genocide, as the RPF was coming in to kind of end the genocide and, and establish order of peace back in the country, uh, God spoke to Paul's heart and said, you need to go back to Rwanda so that you can preach peace and reconciliation so that there would not be a second genocide of the Tutsis against the Hutus. And so he did that. He honored that call. He went back to the country. Um, he eventually met uh, early on with uh, Arthur and Molly, went through three retreats, and it was in the third retreat that God, because he preached pre peace and reconciliation. I'm not putting words in his mouth, he should, you know, but he still hated the Hutus until God did a work of transformation in his soul. Hallelujah. And so this year, the country is right in the midst of commemorating that 25th anniversary of the genocide. And can you just bring a greeting and also uh, just a very brief update on the work of reconciliation as it continues to unfold? And 
I just want to say before you that I honor this man. I love him, and he's a great friend and brother and uh, co-laborer in this work of reconciliation. So join me in welcoming Bishop Paul. My friend, Pastor Justin, my president and the colleague, Jim, and the rest of the, your church here, I think I've been here more than four times preaching in this, standing in this pulpit. So I'm a familiar to many, and I want to tell you that I love you. This is my church. Yeah. He has asked me to greet you. Bring, I've done that. The greetings from Rwanda, then tell you briefly about the work. He knows how to summarize. He knows I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going at least to share very little about myself. Uh, I'm doing the work I love. This work of reconciliation, I want to tell you, it is the most important work I have ever seen in my life. Though I started after 15 years in ministry preaching the gospel, but I was preaching, I was not preached. My heart was not preached until my heart received healing, my heart received a transformation, and again, I became a new creature, the word really that is mentioned in the, in the second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. It happened in me. I thank God for this wonderful man who actually had the call in this church, having contributed a lot in this church, as you know, then I said, really, I'm going overseas to reach people because I don't think he knew, but he obeyed the calling and God has done wonders, wonders through this ministry. He has been telling about to Arthur. He has finished the work, but the work has been taken over. Nothing has stopped. Instead, it is expanding. God is using him very much. You people, we thank you very much because it was not easy for such a man who had been in this church to release him. You also honored God's calling. Thank you very much. I can tell you more, but I have... I will come next year, then I will tell you. Hallelujah. Bishop Paul will be uh, sharing tonight at the International Christian Fellowship at their 5 p.m. service, so you are welcome to come back. He is a wonderful, wonderful preacher of the Word of God. Um, so as, as Bishop Paul was mentioning, the work uh, in... The Pilgrim Center just continues to expand and grow, uh, actually exponentially. And uh, so as part of that growth and as part of that, so, so I'm continuing to walk out as God leads and directs me. So um, in obedience to the Lord, um, after serving since its inception as the lead elder of our All Nations family of churches, this June... Um, I'm going to have the great uh, privilege and honor and joy of passing that baton 
of uh, the leading of our All Nations family of churches to Pastor Sam and Pastor Justin, who are going to be co-laboring in that, and pray for them, and pray for me with my with my expanding travels and uh, the expanding work of the Pilgrim Center. Um, I, I and I'm not going anywhere, by the way. I'm going to still be around. I'm going to still be participating. I'll still be coming to preach at churches. Uh, our churches is invited. This is still our home. Uh, we're not going anywhere. It's just another kind of step of that releasing and, and, and leading and God uh, continuing to multiply the work. I, I have, um, over the last several years, God has just been working in my heart, this word of multiplication. And uh, that's the season that God has called us, Annette and I, into. And so, so grateful that she's with me. Uh, this past month, uh, we've done four retreats here. Yes, let's thank my wife, Annette. Um, I have no better co-laborer than this woman right here. And um, so we have the joy of serving together, doing many, many things. As you already heard on Tuesday, I'm heading to Uganda. We'll be doing multiple healing and reconciliation retreats next Sunday, if you think of it. It'll be, uh, what time will it be there? So as you're going to bed next Saturday night, if you want to pray for me, um, I'll be preaching in the uh, church that is pastored by the daughter of the president of Uganda next Sunday in Kampala. And so that's a great honor and privilege to be doing that. I'm going with our colleague, Dr. Jonathan Stewart, um, and amazing doors of opportunity are opening uh, all over. And so thank you for your prayers. If you would like to get more information about what we do, we've got our newsletter. Our brand new newsletter is just out. And uh, so it's back on the back table along with brochures and a sign-up sheet. If you'd like to receive stories of transformation, one's going to be coming out tomorrow with news on some of our recent retreats. Um, and if you want to be on the prayer team, woohoo! please put their prayer team. And uh, we need, um, we need as, as this work is expanding, we need to grow our base of prayer as well. So thank you so much. All right, well, I bring you greetings from Pastor Steve, who's down with Raphael preaching at Living Word Church down in Illinois today, um, and uh, so they're, they're there bringing a word uh, from the Lord, and so I'm here um, in your pastor's stead to, to bring the word, and um, I'm really excited about sharing with you today um, about six weeks ago, when I'm able to and my travel schedule permits uh, I try to show up on Thursday mornings uh, early for prayer. By the way, you all are welcome uh, and, in fact, encouraged. You know, it was 25 years ago that we established a rhythm of a weekly day of prayer on Thursdays with prayer gatherings at noon, at 7 a.m., noon, and 5 p.m. And uh, this is, after all, a house of what? Prayer for all nations, yes. So it is those prayers that have really, I believe, and, you know, when people say, well, how did this church happen? How did this grow? How did the All Nations? I just have one answer, and that is prayer. And so um, I really want to invite you to, to join us or rejoin us, if it's been a while, uh, for, for prayer times, because I, I still pray for you. I pray for our pastor. I pray for our staff. I pray for this congregation because, um, because I believe that this congregation is a prophetic witness to the world of the truth of the gospel of reconciliation that I now help to lead out in the world. So uh, I talk about you guys everywhere, by the way. I brag on you uh, because this is, this is my house, and I love you. 
So, so six weeks ago, as we were praying, um, the Lord brought me back to our, um, our, our theme scripture as a congregation, which is found in Isaiah chapter 56. And so I'm going to invite you to go there with me right now to Isaiah chapter 56. So I just want to, you know, um, Pastor Hollis, who I got to see this week at our FCA convention, who used to be associate pastor here, he used to say, find out what God is saying and put an exclamation point on it. So I just want to put an exclamation point on what our pastors have been sharing with us these past, even over these past three years, what God's been saying and doing. And, and I think you'll see some of the threads through there. But God brought me specifically back to Isaiah chapter 56 and the first eight verses. This is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people, and let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and who hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to his serv- to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer." Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Let's pray. Jesus, we invite you who are the living word to come, Lord, with your, you are the eternal word, come with your specific now word for this moment, for this people, for this hour, for this congregation. Speak to us out of the fullness, Lord, of what you seek and desire to say to us today. Lord, come and bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So just for old time's sake, can I just ask for some air to get moving here? Thank you, it just feels... So, all right, good, thank you. All right, and when it gets cold and the sweaters go on, then you can turn it off. All right, so there we go. So, Pastor Ben, you were mentioning, and, and uh, since that as well today, just sort of a, and I, I don't know if it's a somberness, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure what, what that is, but I, I sense the same thing, and, I, and I'm wondering whether part of it's connected to the, um, actually to, to, to maybe a couple possibilities here. One would be a resistance from the enemy against the word that's coming today. The other might simply be um, just a, a weightiness around this word. So there's, there's just a, a, a weight. So I'm, I want to speak to you today, and I, and I use this very, very cautiously and very carefully today. Um, so I, I just want to, because I don't want to, but I, I want to I speak to you, okay, I I am an outside ministry advisor to Bethel Christian Fellowship, which is our, our word for we, we don't 
We don't use, in, in our circles here, this is Bishop Paul, we don't use Bishop language here or apostolic language, but, but, but the reality is the functioning. So I'm coming to you in my function today to empower and encourage this congregation, coming underneath to hold up the arms of our pastor and our staff and this work to say, and, and to speak into our lives a very particular word for this moment. I've never preached this message before. In all of the years, I don't know. You know, Isaiah 56 has been our, our kind of theme passage, but I don't know that I've ever preached the whole passage before, this whole passage. So I'm, I'm coming to you. I just, I want to tell you that because there's a weight of, of this on my own soul today to deliver this word to you. Because as I was reading this, as we were praying those six weeks ago, the Lord, he does this every once in a while, and so I'm sorry, I'm just going to speak fluid intuitive for a moment. He, every once in a while, he just takes, and it's like a highlighter, and he'll highlight words in my heart as I'm reading the scripture. Okay, I don't know how to explain it, but all of a sudden it's like, pay attention. Okay? And the word, the words that he specifically had me to pay attention to as I was reading through this in Isaiah 56 was these two words, hold fast. So there's a word that I'm bringing to us here today at Bethel Christian Fellowship. And the word that I'm bringing us is this, hold fast. Hold fast. We're three years into a transition as a congregation, in terms of leadership, we've been walking through, we're in a, we're, I, I believe that transition season has come to an end. I actually believe we're, we're stepping into a new season together as a congregation. And as we step into this new season, my word to us is this, hold fast. These transitions, I, did, I once did, a, uh, I once did a, uh, a study in the scripture of thresholds. And the word threshold in the Bible is very interesting. The word threshold in the Bible has two connotations. One is it has this connotation of snatching away, and the other connotation it has is of choking out. The word actually comes from the same word as like a python that's choking something out. And so there is a, there is a, a at a threshold, Thresholds are the moment when we are most vulnerable to being snatched away or choked out. Are you with me? Because a threshold typically is a narrow and tight place. So a threshold, when we come to a threshold, we're coming into a tight place, but on the other side of that threshold is a very wide open place. But you have to get through and over the threshold. So Bethel Christian Fellowship, we are stepping across a threshold right now. And even this morning, I don't want to be over, I don't want to overstate anything here. But my sense is, is that we are stepping this word, this is a word at that threshold to speak into the life of this congregation to move us through that threshold into the new place that God wants to bring us. 
Okay? Not trying to be, you hear my heart? I do this with humility, trembling at God's word. But, my, but the word of the Lord right now in this moment to you and if, you know, to those who will listen to this is hold fast. So what is the Lord inviting us to hold fast to in this season of our life together? What is the Lord inviting us to hold fast to in this season of our life together? Well, I'm glad that you asked. All right. The first thing that he's inviting us to do, and it's again, it's embedded right here in the scripture, is hold fast to his covenant. Hold fast to his covenant. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant. Now, it's so interesting, both times when he talks to the foreigners and the eunuchs, he talks about holding fast to the covenant in the context of Sabbath. Why on earth is Sabbath so important as in its connection to covenant? Well, here's why. Sabbath recenters us in whose we are. What Sabbath does, it's a reminder and it reminds us, oh yeah, that's right, I forgot. But now I remember, this is whose I am. Hebrews chapter 4, there remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. There remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a place for us to come and remember whose we are. It recenters us because we get out of balance, off center, off kilter throughout. And so we come back and the Sabbath, it's like, oh yes. What was it? We sang this song earlier today um, about trusting. I trust him. I trust you. Sabbath is about trust. It says, well, and, and this is part of maybe this, this next piece, is it, it's part of this reorienting us into the will of God. You know, it says in Romans 12 too, you know this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It, 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 what it does is it reorients us into this place of dependence on God that I don't actually run the whole universe. Now, I'm 59, and I've had to be, I've been learning that. I still am learning that. It isn't all dependent upon me. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that, but, you know, I do. So maybe I'm just preaching to me, but I think I'm preaching to us as well, because we live our lives as if everything's depending on us, and what Sabbath does, it recenters us in whose we are, that, okay, he's holding the world. The sun didn't come up this morning because you told it to. Sorry. Right? And things are going to continue to flow when you're gone. When you aren't so busy in your mind trying to figure it all out, it's still happening. 
God's still doing his work. He's still building. All of that happens because it's him. And so it recenters us in him and then reorients us into his will. We talk about this on retreat, how, you know, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, interesting thing about Genesis 1, read it again sometime and read it with this eye in mind. Because it says, the evening and the morning, it was the first day. The evening and the morning, it was the second day. You see, in the Hebrew understanding, a day begins when the sun goes down. The first day of the week, we celebrate, we come together on Sundays, the first day of the week, beginning with Sabbath, because it reorients us, because when we rest, we actually are able to receive from the Lord and then we're able to respond to his direction. But when we just work our lives to death and fall into bed at the end of the night exhausted, we end up finding ourselves simply reacting to everything that's happening around us instead of responding. Hello? So we first step aside to rest, to breathe, so that we can receive out of which we can begin to respond. That's the reorientation that needs to happen for us. And there's one more thing about this Sabbath and this covenant that's so important. It resists the way of the world. I read a book a while back um, by Walter Brueggemann called Sabbath as Resistance. Great book. Pastor Rich, great book. If you want to get a great book, honestly, it's a great book. Sabbath as Resistance. We live in this sort of mechanistic world. We live in this economically driven world. We live in this world that's driven by all of these other things. What Sabbath does is it actually resists the way of the world. The scripture that I have up here, this is Jesus, Matthew 4, is Jesus' temptation in the desert when he goes away for those 40 days. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The world says, if you do this, you just put in these hours, you do this, you keep working, you keep striving, you keep doing all of this, and I'll give you all of the kingdom. You're going to have what you want. But here's the deal. Here's the secret. You've heard me say it before, but I'll say it again. The one who has the most toys at the end doesn't actually win. And you ain't ever going to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Like somebody asked about the rich man when he died, well, how much did he leave behind? And somebody answered, he left everything. (laughs) He left everything. So Sabbath resists the way of this world. So let me call Bethel Christian Fellowship as a people to hold fast to the covenant, to continue to declare our dependence on God. This is the the core of this, is declaring our dependence on Him. We don't control this. It ain't ours. It's His, all of it. And we're dependent on Him. So let's declare our dependence afresh 
even today, to say, yes, Lord. It's yours. Let's, let's hold fast. Bethel Christian Fellowship, I call us to hold fast to the covenant of the Lord. Secondly, hold fast to your commitments. It was so funny. I'm reading Isaiah 56 when I'm sitting at prayer a few weeks ago, and the first words in Isaiah 56, I don't know how many times I've read Isaiah 56, countless times, but the first words were, maintain justice. What is this year? A year of living justice. So here's that exclamation point on what God's already saying to us as a people. Maintain justice. Do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. So there's two components around this that I want to invite us into in this year of living justice as we hold fast to the commitments the Lord has given to us. The first is to prevent evil. That's the first part of maintaining justice is is actually being a bulwark against evil in the land. And there is evil in the land. And we as the church are called to help prevent it. And, and there's a very practical, you know, uh, Genesis 4 is the story of Cain and Abel. And at the end of that story, in, or towards the end of that story, or in the midst of that story, I should say, in Genesis 4, 7, it says, uh, Paul speaking to Cain and sa- I mean, Paul, God is speaking to Cain and says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Evil is always crouching at the door. Injustice is always crouching at the door. It desires to have us, but you must rule over it. So there's a way in which we as the church, as a part of this, of maintaining justice and continuing to do the common good, we are called to stand in that gap to speak against the injustices of the world. And again, your pa- our pastor and, and, and many of we've been speaking about this, so I won't go into depth around that, but there is this call to hold fast to our commitment. The other part of it is to promote good. Jeremiah 29, you know, we always go to 29.11. Well, before that, he's speaking to a people who are what? In captivity, in, you know, exile. He's speaking to a group the whole people of Israel who are refugees, and he says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. Sometimes we're so busy speaking, you know, I mean, we're we're sort of cursing the world and all of its troubles and problems around us that we forget that there's this invitation. I mean, I I think God's says to us, you know, I'm actually asking you to bless. I'm actually asking you to seek the peace. I'm actually asking you for the prosperity of your city. Many of you know, I've, I, I think at this point, and I'm going to probably try to pick it up again this summer, I've been prayer walking through, you know, the streets of St. Paul, and, and I've got through about half of the streets of St. Paul just praying. And Annette has come with me for much of that prayer walking. And as we pray, we do this. We pray for the peace and the prosperity of our city and for those who are there. And when God opens up an opportunity, we pray with folks right there on the street. We pray for people because it matters. Because we want to promote good. 
and be people who are doing good for the common good. You know, this, this, this is more than just, right? It's not us versus them. This is we. We live in this city. We live in these twin cities or wherever it is that we live. We live there. And when our city is doing well, it's good for all of us, right? All right. You're with me? Everybody's still hanging in there? Okay. Hold fast to your commitments. Hold fast to the covenant. Hold fast to your commitments. How many guess the next one's going to be a C also? All right, there we go. Yes, the anointing still flows with alliteration. All right, there we are. Hold fast to the community. Hold fast to the community. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Who's the to them? Who, who is he speaking to there? We've, you've just read the passage. Who's he talking to? Eunuchs? And? I got extra sermon points available. Pastor Steve will be happy to give you a gift when he comes back. Um, who can tell me the first that we know of in the scripture, the first person mentioned who is a Gentile believer? Who's the first Gentile believer in the Bible. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Remember? Go there. Acts chapter 8. Before Cornelius, Philip. Philip and who? The African. The Ethiopian, the eunuch from Africa, from Ethiopia. Philip goes, and there's the man. The angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south. Started out, verse 27, on his way met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. The prophet, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of the scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and his lamb before its shear. He was silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord took Philip away. So here's Isaiah. This is so cool. This is Isaiah 56. The promise given there to the foreigner, to the eunuch, the promise comes true right here in Acts chapter 8 with the first Gentile believer is a foreigner and a eunuch. I love it. <laughs> this is how God works. The outsider who's really an outsider. Because you see, as a foreigner, yeah, you weren't able to get too close to the temple and or, you know, you weren't going to get to the Holy of You were going to be in the, one of the outer courts, but as a eunuch, you were even further removed 
because of the physical mutilation that had happened, but also because in that Hebrew culture, your children were your legacy. So without children, you had no legacy. That was the understanding. But what does Isaiah say? I'm going to give you a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Because your legacy is not in your physical children. Your legacy is in your community, your commitment to God in the covenant of God. Hallelujah. So it isn't dependent upon your physical progeny. It's dependent upon your spiritual faithfulness and fruitfulness before God. So, who's my community? Well, Jesus has that discussion when they come to him and say, your mother and father, your, your mother and brothers are asking to speak to you. Jesus looks around and says, you know, who's my mother? Who's, who's my brothers? Who's my sisters? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, my mother. Whoever, this is my community. This is our people. One of my dear friends, a friend of this house, Pastor Ned Berube, who's, by the way, continuing to recover from his stroke and keep praying for him and Sue. But he told me many years ago, he said, Jim, at the end of the day, you have to have a people who are your people. You have to have a people who are your people. Hold fast to the community. And how do I hold fast to my community? Well, here's our, here's our family verse. So, Claire and Noah, wake up. You remember this. I don't have to wake you up. You're awake, but remember this one. You know this verse, right? Here it is. Let us hold unswervingly to the faith we profess for he who promises faithful. Right Here it is. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's our family verse. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if you are going to hold fast to the community, secret here, okay, this is, everybody can ooh and ah in just a moment. If you're going to hold on to the community, you actually have to be with the community. I know, this is shocking revelation. It means you actually have to show up and be with folks. You have to hold fast to the community. Because it's a habit, as some, I, I was struck by this, as some are in the habit of doing, it habits form. And we can get into a habit of not being with the community. And then we think, oh man, nobody cares. I mean, I don't know, as a pastor, I don't know how many times I heard this. That probably never happened to Pastor Rich in his ministry up in Cloquet, but people who feel like, well, nobody cares, I'm not, and you just say, well, you're not here. I feel, I feel separate, I just feel, I feel further and further away. You're not here. Holding fast, there's a habit, the habit of actually being present and being with people. I know that we live in a day and age where it's, you know, all about virtual and virtual church and virtual things. And, you know, I'm not going to preach against all of the things that I'm, I'm because that's not, that's futile, all right? 
What I will say to you is, at some point, Jesus talked about us as being a body, like with flesh and blood, and being with people, people who make you uncomfortable sometimes. I don't want to be in the church that's full of hypocrites. Well, find one that's not full of hypocrites, join it, and guess what? They got problems already, all right? I always say, yeah, we're full of hypocrites. Question is, are we, are we coming closer? Are we getting more in line with who we're to be, or are we getting further away? All right, you with me? But you have to be with people. You actually have to show up, and yes, not everybody agrees. There are people here who are Democrats and people who are Republicans. Yes. It's okay. Relax. There's people here who like Lefsa, and there's people here who prefer Fufu or Ugali. Relax. It's okay. There's people here who, when they're excited in worship, there's a toe moving. And then there's people who, you know, it's all right, relax. It's a beauty. That's what we love about this community. That's what I love about this community. Not everybody thinks and looks and acts and dresses and smells and eats and whatever alike. All right, got it? All right, I'm doing okay? Hold fast to the community. One more. One more, and then we're going to communion. Hold fast to our call. If there's anything I want to say to Bethel Christian Fellowship, right here, right now, this calling has come to us from the Lord. This calling did not come through the mind of Pastor Jim. This calling is not dependent upon Pastor Jim. This calling that he has given to Bethel Christian Fellowship is his call to this house from the time he gave it to us 25 years ago in 1994 is when he gave us this calling. And it is as true then, as it true now as it was then, as it will be 25 years from now, should the Lord tarry. Y'all know what it is? I think you do. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's right there on the sign. It's official. It looks great around here, by the way, and I miss the work day. But thank you, Pastor Ben and Jerry and everybody who showed up. Thank you. Looks great. As a house. What does house speak of? Inviting hospitality. We are a place to belong. A growing intercultural community welcoming strangers to become friends and friends to become strangers. No, friends <laughs> to become family. Sorry. I get that mixed up sometimes. All right. <laughs> Some of us do become stranger. It's okay. But we become family. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. This is the, that's where that's found. So let me just say it this way, real simply. We, consequently, you are no longer foreigners, strangers, fellow citizens with God's people, members of his household, members of his household. We are called to be a welcoming and transforming community. 
And somebody asks what Bethel, what Bethel Christian Fellowship is like. What do, you, what do you think about this, that, and the other? Just say, we are a welcoming and transforming community. Everybody is welcome here. Everyone. There is no person that is not welcome in this house. I have recently, over the last, as I'm doing the retreat work, and, you know, it doesn't matter whether I'm in northern Uganda or northern Minnesota, I'll tell you this. This is my, this is technical theological language, so work with me. Here's, here it is. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody got stuff. Everybody comes with stuff. Some of it looks different than your stuff. It's just stuff. Everybody got it. So what do we do? No. We come to Jesus because he's the one who transforms. Not my job to fix everybody. Neither is it yours. That's Jesus' work. Right? So we are a welcoming and transforming community. All right. I'm starting to feel like preaching, but I got to be careful. I got to get to the uh, I got to get to the birthday party, but one. Okay. We're a house of prayer. All right. Intimate spirituality. We're a place to believe. Joyful community, passionately pursuing God and hosting his presence. You've heard me say this a hundred million times as your pastor when I pastored here for 26 years. I did not pray for a visitation from God. I did not want him to come and go. I prayed for his habitation. Come and stay. Jesus, come and stay. That's what this intimate spirituality, that's what it's about. So, yeah, this is a high-octane place. This is a place where you're going to be pressed in your, to, 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 to go deeper. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. So this is what we say. We are called to be true to the word and alive in the spirit. Again, I've shared with this you so many times, but let me remind you again. You can be true to the word and not alive in the spirit, and all you got is dead orthodoxy. And you can be alive in the spirit and not true to the word, and let me just say this affectionately, all you got going is the spirit of weird. Okay? We are committed to the truth of the word and the life of the spirit in this house. That's our calling. And Third, a house of prayer for all nations. Intentional missionality. We're a place to become a life-giving community living out God's mission to reach who? Some people? All peoples. As Jesus said at Luke, this is, or in Isaiah 56, 8, the end of it there says, the sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I'm going to gather still others besides them already gathered. And Jesus, at the end of Luke 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what he's about. He's about it. And so are we. That's what we're called to do. We are called to radiate life and joy when we talk about this. Again, you've heard me say these things so many times, but I'm just here to remind you again. The thing that I think about Jesus, when you ask me, what's one word to describe Jesus? It's he's life-giving. Wherever he went, life broke out. And full of joy. There's joy in the house of prayer for all nations. We are not a community that are supposed to be, you know, baptized in prune and lemon juice. I love Jesus. Do you? You're scaring me right now. I don't know if I love him or not. All right? 
worth life and joy. It helps. Amen? I've been in Paul's church. You want to talk about joy. You want to talk about some hot worship. I've been in Pastor Justin's church. You want to talk about some hot worship. Woo! I really am an African with just white skin. All right. But I'm like, I'm home. Yes. <laughs> Hold fast, people. Worship team, come on up. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you received what he's promised. So here's my final exhortation to this congregation today at this moment as we stand at the threshold. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I don't know what you've been wrestling through in terms of your own personal life and your life within the context of Bethel Christian Fellowship. But I want to encourage us today to persevere because When we together, and I speak this to our leadership team here, as you persevere, I love our leaders, I love our pastors, I love what God is doing. As we persevere, we will receive what he has promised. So let's continue to persevere in our calling. And you know what? I forgot to mention this, but let me just say this really clearly. Because part of this calling, the missionality piece, particularly the calling to go to the nation. So that's why like people like me go out to the nations. <laughs> because it's part of our calling. I'm living out our calling as a church. I didn't leave Bethel Christian Fellowship. Bethel Christian Fellowship goes with me. And God is going to keep calling. He's going to keep leading. He's going to keep sending. He's going to keep doing this. That's who we are. And that's a good thing. So hallelujah. And you never know when he'll bring them back like Pastor Steve. <laughs> we sent him off 25 years ago, and here he is. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. All right. Hold fast to his covenant. Hold fast to your commitments. Hold fast to the community. Hold fast to our calling. Take courage. Be strong. So that's what that word hold fast. I went back and did more work in it. It means to take courage and to be strong. It means to take hold of the promises. Take hold of these things for his glory. Amen? Amen. Y'all good? All right. Thank you, Jesus. So here we come to this table. And this table is the premier expression that we have in the church along with baptism of this covenant that he has given to us. It's the the two ordinances that we continue to do even to this day here 2,000 years later. Because when we come to this table, we are reminded that his body was broken, that we might be made whole. This has become to us a symbol of the very bread of of salvation, of the the, the bread of life. And, And this cup representing his blood that has been spilled out and poured out for us has become to us a a picture of the cup of salvation. These remind us of his covenant to us. And so as we come to this table today, if this is your first time here or your 100,000th time, like some of our elders, all right. I'm just saying. They've been around a while. All right. Some of them. A long time. It's good. But you're coming to this table, we're coming together as family. And, and, and the only requirement to, 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 to come to 
be at the table is, is just to, to have given your life to the Lord. You've done that, you're here. If you've not done that, I invite you today. He loves you so much. In fact, he loved you so much that he went to that cross to die so that you could live. Elders, pastors, come now quickly. Deacons, ministry coordinators, I mean, whatever. All of you who are serving, please come right now to assist me here. Come. 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 Bishop Paul, would you assist me at the table? Thank you. So we're just going to invite you to hold the elements until everyone's received them. And then we'll take them together and partake together. And as we do, I just invite you to reflect on this today that we've heard from the Lord. Take this moment to just ask him, what, where do I need to hold fast today? I want to hold fast in you, Jesus. I want to hold fast to your covenant. I want to hold fast to the commitments. I want to hold fast to this community, to the community of God. I want to hold fast to the to the calling. So take and reflect, and then um, we'll receive together when we've uh, all received. Thanks. measurable love of God the Father with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son with the inexhaustible strength and power comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours sent to make disciples of all nations go with the banner of his favor over your lives and until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home may his love and goodness and mercy follow you each and every day of your life be blessed, people of God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So I would love to hug all of you. So here's your hug as I head out the door. Come tonight, 5 o'clock, Bishop Paul. Bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. Amen.